I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it Back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, we are here with the Manchester City season review, joined, of course, by Richard, who you can find on Twitter at Richard the Burns. He also contributes to the Blue Moon podcast, so check that out as well. Richard, an absolute pleasure having you on. I have to imagine this will probably be the happiest one of these we've done this thus far. Uh, because you have come away as champions yet again. You sustain a a late push from Liverpool. You go on an incredible late run yourselves. Um, on the whole, what did you make of the season? It's been absolutely uh, blistering. And it's still, despite getting 98 points and winning 32 out of 38 games, we still find time found time to make it a little bit of an emotional roller coaster as well, uh, with the, the little mid-season dip and defeats to Crystal Palace, Leicester and Newcastle that I don't think anybody saw coming. Um, but on the whole, from start to finish, City have been bewilderingly good. Um, the, the football has continued to be an exceptionally high standard. We've seen the development of individual players uh, once again through, first of all, their own dedication and hard work and belief in, in City are doing and, and what the coaching team can do. Um, mixed in, obviously, with the quality of, of City's coaching staff. So you look at Bernardo, um, Raheem Sterling, Sergio Aguero, Alexander Zinchenko, um, all massively, massively better than they were just a year ago. And you're talking across a, um, a range of natural abilities there, a range of ages and experience, and yet all of them have put in the hard yards to improve on what was a near-perfect season last year. Um, and the team has benefited as a result to the point that they've already um, defended a double from last season, having never previously defended a trophy in our history. Um, in that includes defending the Premier League that no team has successfully defended in a decade. Um, and we've still got an FA Cup final to come where we may become the first English team to ever uh, to ever hold all three English trophies at a time. So it's just been, however you look at it, you know, if, if, you, if you take it on a stats basis, it's remarkable. If you take it just on how you like to see football played and, and the beauty of, of what a Pep Guardiola team can do. Um, it, it's been extremely enjoyable and it has required um, a, a bit of a different mentality to what we saw from City last year where the pressure was largely off from December. Um, this year they've had to be on it from the first game to last and they, they did it. It was incredible. Yeah, obviously, like you said, it was very different. Which which season do you think was more impressive from Guardiola? One that broke almost every record last season or this year with injuries to De Bruyne, with Mendy falling out of the picture yet again because of injuries, stuff like that. It seems like you just plowed through all of those obstacles, especially in the second half of the season. Yeah, I think 
it depends. I suppose it depends how I interpret the question or where in where you place it in context. So as of last season, it came on the back of a disappointing first year. I don't think, although nobody expected us to run away with the league in his first year because that squad needed a, a lot of development. Nobody expected us to win nothing and scrape fourth place on the final day either. Um, so that first year was a lot harder than anybody expected to come out the next year and only lose two league games and become the first ever team to get 100 points. Um, you can never write off the scale of that achievement. But So in, in terms of just pure getting a team to play, or coaching a team almost, I don't want to say above their abilities because all of those players are were naturally very capable anyway, the players that he had in his, in his second season. And obviously there was a lot of money spent that, um, that helped facilitate that, that quality of football. Um, but the mentality was all about having the hunger to, to keep it up when the pressure was off. And, and actually, almost your only competition being yourself and how much you wanted to make it 17, 18, 19, 20 wins in a row. There were no, other than the Champions League defeat last season to Liverpool, there were no huge tests of mentality that they had to bounce back from. And really, the league was still already wrapped up at that point. This season, I think, is more impressive in terms of putting the whole package together because we've we've had, I think, the best challenger, the, the best second-place team there's ever been in, in Premier League football. Um, I don't think that is just evidenced by the fact that they've got the third-highest points total in English football history. I think you look at the quality of Liverpool, they are absolutely brilliant. Um, nobody wants to play against them. They carry, um, you know, despite not winning, you know, a status that's normally received for or reserved for the team that wins the league, Liverpool now carry that fear factor where teams are just going onto the pitch assuming that they're beaten and a lot of teams don't really want to have a go at them. So we've been fighting against a team where week in, week out, we knew that they were going to win. So we also had to go and win. Um, and to keep to keep that hunger where what we've typically seen from City teams since 2012 is that, and, and like players like Company have openly admitted it, they've struggled to keep that desire up this season after winning a league because it's almost like, well, we've done it now and we've experienced it and keeping the motivation to go again is a really difficult thing. City, have, I think it's going to be 61 games they'll have played this season uh, by the time the cup final's finished. And in every single one, whether they were brilliant or a little bit underwhelming, nobody could ever, ever question their desire to go out and win a game of football and to try and win every trophy. Um, they gave it a OK, they didn't get further than last year, but they gave it a pretty respectable go in the Champions League and only lost in the most dramatic of circumstances. Um, everything, absolutely everything about this season has been spectacular. Um, and so I, I think that makes it more impressive because this year they had to win. Um, they had to win 14 games in a row at the end. Last year, when they won 18 Premier League games in a row, they didn't need to. They could have dropped points in half of those games and they'd have still won the league at a canter this year they won 14 games in a row and one less than that they wouldn't have won the league and we wouldn't be uh, you know I wouldn't be talking in um, a celebratory mood uh, tonight I'd be very much looking at how how we'd fallen short and once again we'd failed to defend a trophy so yeah everything's just it, it, it's one of the most impressive seasons I think any team in in the history of football has ever pulled off to be honest 
Yeah, if you'll uh, permit me to ask one of the silliest questions you've probably ever heard. Uh, we've been asking everybody what their high point and low point of the season was. Uh, what was the high point for Manchester City? Well, it's not as silly as it sounds um, because, you know, it's dead easy to go for, oh, the final day and actually when the final whistle goes and celebrating a title again. Mm. Um, but for me, it's January 3rd, the home game against Liverpool, because it really it all rested on that. If we'd have lost that night, we'd have been 10 points behind. And I don't care how impressive this City team is, they would not have made up 10 points on Liverpool. Not a chance. Um, because Liverpool are too good for that. Um, City got it tactically fantastic that night. Um, they were the only team that... I, I don't think Liverpool had conceded two goals in a game up to that point in the league. Um it has proven that City were the only team able to beat Liverpool this season. Um, they had a chance to bottle it when they were in not the best form anyway. It was hot on the heels of those Leicester and Crystal Palace defeats. And in both of those games, City had been leading. And they went ahead against Liverpool and Liverpool pulled it back. And instead of bottling it, City pushed on. And uh, Pep outdid Klopp. Like I say, the only manager in the league who could do that all year. Uh, and it proved decisive. Like I say, if, if City, even if they drew that game, I think seven points would have been too much to bring back. But they won it. And to me, that is the it is the best way they could have won the league, knowing that that win over Liverpool. Of course, you can separate the, the other points that Liverpool dropped where they drew games and say, well, if they'd have won that game, they'd have won the league instead. But the fact is City beating Liverpool proved to be decisive and you know the the pressure was on more than any game in recent years in that one they handled it and it was a magical night like the, the atmosphere in the Etihad was uh, it was absolutely fantastic that evening um, and it made me want Liverpool to win on the final day that I, I said it in the build-up to the game that if City were comfortable I wanted Liverpool to win because I wanted to know that we had seen them off by the virtue of, of actually beating them in, in that game. In the head-to-head, much like uh, with Tottenham and Arsenal, the Hugo Lloris penalty save ended up deciding our race. Um, yeah. So yeah, having that like direct contact with what happened uh, definitely brings a little bit more joy. Uh, what would you say was the low point? Uh, I have two. Uh, one of them was the Newcastle away game because mm-hmm. I was convinced that the league was done that night. Uh, City had led one nil after. Uh, it might not have even been 30 seconds. It was stupidly early. Um, and then Newcastle, from nowhere, came back and won the game. And the City looked powerless to stop it happening. Um, and that that meant that had Liverpool won the night after, I think they'd have been back to eight points clear. And that was after we'd already hauled ourselves back into it by winning that game against them at the Etihad. So that was a, that was a pretty low feeling that night. Um, because I was expecting a, a procession to the title for Liverpool from that point. But instead, they drew nil-nil at home with Leicester the following evening. Um, and obviously, City went on to win the league. But it was a low point thinking that it was that it was done and dusted. Um, the other one was the nature of the Champions League exit to Spurs, um, mm. which I'm sure you'll enjoy hearing all about again. Um, it was not so much that they got beat, you know, I can handle that. I can handle not winning the quadruple and, and I can handle not being in the Champions League with, you know, with experience defeating it every year since 2011. This was one of the, on the face of it, the less disappointing ones. We got beat by an extremely capable opponent who did a very good job on us in the game um, at the new stadium. So no complaints getting beat 1-0 in that. 
And I had no complaints with City in, in the second leg. The euphoria of going 1-0 up so early and thinking, well, you know, essentially we're back to 0-0 now, everything's level again, um, was perfect. Then to be 2-1 down so quickly and you're thinking, right, now we're in for a nightmare. The way they turned it around was absolutely blistering. I had no real problem with top, with, with uh, Lorente's goal. Some fans thought it should have been a handball. I, personally, I was fine with it. The low point was because it went crazy in the Etihad after Sterling's would-be last-minute winner. And obviously, I've, I've no problem with it being disallowed because Aguero in the build-up was offside. I've no problem with the use of VAR. In fact, I support it. I think the best thing for the game is that that decision was right. But it took a long time in the stadium to know that that was happening. And... The the only thing I can compare it to was what it felt like when we won the league in 2012 with Aguero's last-minute winner. It was absolutely euphoric. Um, and then you hear the announcer the goal is be, say the goal has been reviewed by VAR. And it was like, oh, we've, we've celebrated this too early. <laughs> and then they disallowed it. And so it didn't, it, it didn't feel like... The, the closest thing you can compare it to is a last-minute defeat, even though it wasn't. Like, mm. the game didn't alter in that moment. The game stayed the same. So we didn't... It's not like conceding the last-minute winner, but it was a, the the biggest thing I can compare it to. Because it's uh, like that swing of result. Yeah, just in an, in an instant. But it was... It's not even conceding a, a last-minute defeat because at least there you've, you'd usually have the nerves and tension of are we going to hold on and then you don't and it's just disappointment. But this sprung us from we're going out to the euphoria of going through and then straight back down again. And I've honestly, it's no exaggeration to say that I've never had a swinging emotion quite like that in, in anything. From like zero are, to 100 back to zero. Yeah. Well, but below zero, like if zero is your starting point, it's zero to 100 to minus 100. It's yeah. just, it, it catapults you from almost a steady state to euphoria, to despair. Um, and it, it hurt like no defeat has hurt for a long time. Um, because even last year, when we had the 2-0 lead against United to win the league against them, and then we threw it away, like that really hurt because we'll probably never get the chance to win the league against them again. Everything just lined up so perfectly. Um, at least we had the fallback of knowing we were still going to win the league. Like, in that instant, it was like it, it, we were Schrodinger's semi-finalists. Like, we were in one instant, we were both in the semi-final and out of the competition whilst we we celebrated it and we were actually out. It was, um, it's hard to, genuinely hard to put into words, which is probably why I'm rambling a bit. But yeah, that's that's probably the low point. Well, sorry for inflicting that upon you. It was much like that, but in inverse <laughs> for me. Yeah, and, I bet. And like the, the years of falling short in moments like that, for, for Ericsson to try that pass back that Aguero got his toe <laughs> to, just it felt, you know, this this is everything about our club come back to bite us yet again. And then for it to have been saved just by that fraction uh, of space was... Surreal, but I'm not going to talk about that more on a city segment with mostly city fans listening to it. That would be <laughs> very dumb. Um, <laughs> for you, um, I'm sure it was a little disappointing uh, to see Virgil van Dijk win Player of the Year over Raheem Sterling. Although uh, the PFA did what they usually do, which is, oh, were you equally deserving a Player of the Year, but you're also young? Have this Young Player of the Year award instead. Um, would you say that Sterling was the Player of the Year at least for City though this season? 
Um, ooh, ooh, that pause leads me to think maybe it's a cheeky Bernardo. It's really, really hard to choose between them. Really hard because they've they've both been absolutely brilliant. Um, Sterling has had a devastating impact this year in that he's popped up. His numbers are phenomenal. The goal rate, the way he's added to his goals, that he's become so much more clinical. Um, it's easy to plump for him because there's a lot that surrounds him this year as well with you know the narrative that his season's taken where he's finally become a bit of the media darling because of the way he's handled the racist stuff and he's become a bit of a, a spokesman for that. Um, and it's been great to see him mature into that person. Um, and, you know, it, it, I suppose, really, the stuff that he does on the pitch almost pales in comparison to the importance of doing that stuff. Um, if, I, uh, if I had the casting vote, I think I would just about plump for Bernardo. Because he's, but I think they're both they're both undroppable. They're both as important as each other to the team. Um, Silver's just absolute magic. He's just to watch him. He can do anything with the ball. He's close control. He's got genuinely the the best first touch I've ever seen live, um, and never fails to amaze me watching him when Lorente at Lorente. Listen to me. Sorry, when Laporte <laughs> pinged a, uh, a sixty yarder. A diagonal to the right hand side, and Silver sticks it to his foot as it comes out of the air, um, and then he he beats a man and pings a pinpoint ball into the box. I think he's absolute magic, and I think maybe I'd plump for him just because he seems unsung hero isn't quite the right phrase because I think everybody knows what a gifted footballer he is, um, but maybe he's not the headline grabber outside of the club and I think he maybe does still yet deserve a little bit more recognition Mm. the fact that you could get I think somewhere in fact no I'm not going to guess what the odds were Um, the odds were crazy high for him winning PFA player of the year and that to me speaks of how under recognised he is um, in the context of you know what Van Dijk and Sterling did this season Bernardo should have been a lot closer to them in the reckoning for that award Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think I plump for him being City's best player, but I don't like saying that it wasn't Sterling because he's been spectacular. <laughs> right. Um, is part of Bernardo's importance because of the absence of De Bruyne? Like, if Bernardo hadn't stepped up the way he did this season, do you think he would have been able to still win the title? No, that's a good way of putting it. Um... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. The whole team has stepped up in De Bruyne's absence. You know, you take, you take any team's best player away from them for a season, particularly when it's an attacking player, and expect them to get within two points of their total the previous season. That is a hard ask when you remove a best player from anyone. When that best player just happens to be one of the best players in the world and the team still maintains its standard, that is a phenomenal achievement from everybody. Um, I don't think we can overlook like the improvement of Gundogan, for example, who... My issue with him has always been that, yeah, he's a very good player and if the team's purring, then he'll fit in beautifully with them. But if they're not, then he's not a match winner. And actually, he's proved that wrong a little bit this season by really upping his game um, and, and dictating things from deep a little bit when Fernandinho's been out too. Um, but yeah, Bernardo in that in the creative role, he's happy being stuck out on the wing when it's maybe not his most natural position. Um, he has to accept not always playing through the centre when we've got David Silva there. Um, and he's tireless that's the thing his, his work rate is astonishing he, he, he's just as happy tackling he's great setting off counter-attacks which typically when you're a team that has around 70% possession of the ball a game counter-attacks are a hard thing to do because you don't often need to do them you don't have that much to counter but watch when we're defending corners how deep a position he takes the ball falls to him you know that he's springing an attack straight away his positional sense is magnificent he's great tactically so yeah, he's a he does make up for the loss of De Bruyne as well, but he's not put out when De Bruyne is back. You don't see Sil- Silver's influence doesn't wane because he's not filling in for De Bruyne. Um, he's still just as crucial. So I think he he just helps the team tick. And when you know the chips are down and you can look out and see that you've got a player like that, it's sort of defending or attacking for you in equal measure and doing it with such sort of either tenacity or ridiculous grace where he's dancing across the pitch. He's just, he's the perfect mix of everything. And I, I'm very excited about what the future holds for him because I, I think he's going to only become more and more important to the team. Yeah. Company certainly seems to agree. I'm sure you saw that quote about when Bernardo's 25% what clown or whatever he said and 75%. <laughs> Uh, serious he'll, he'll be the next captain found that very interesting because uh, that's not a thing that I think there's a lot of perception of um, uh, amongst neutrals um, we've mentioned a lot of players here Did, were any of them the scores of of what you would consider the best goal this season or was it that Mara's third one that really settled the nerves on the final day oh there's only there's only one answer I can give to this Kev for best goal this season come the chips are down beyond 70 minutes of a game that you absolutely have to win to stand a chance of winning the title. It's a tense home game against a team, very, very dogged Leicester team. And your 33-year-old centre-back, who also (laughs) happens to be a club legend, icon, adopted Mancunian, who always, always steps up when needed, decides that he's going to ping a 30-yarder into the top corner just because that's his moment. How can that not be any City fans' goal of the season? Mm. It was, like It would have been enough to score a tap-in in that moment, and it would have been like a lifting-the-roof-off-the-stadium type celebration, just because of the tension that builds up. And in a moment like that, it's as much relief as it is outright celebration. You're just happy that the nerves have settled a little bit. Um, 
it would have been just as good if it was one of your regular goal scorers doing that. It'd have been just as good if it was Aguero pinging a 30-yarder in, who it is less of a rare occurrence for. But for your centre-back to do it, like centre-backs don't do that, especially Vincent Company. He's not had a shot on target from outside of the box since 2013. And he picks that moment and lashes it into the top corner. Like, perfect. It's the best goal of the season. It will be an iconic Premier League goal because City went on to win the league. It would have been forgotten in time if they didn't. But um, it's proper cult. It's already got a cult status now. Our maybe the biggest hero in that team, like maybe the most adored player in that team, just steps up and, and pulls something ridiculous out of the bag. Um, yeah, that's the goal of the season. I will say, I probably should have thought of that because when we were talking about Newcastle's goal of the season, I, I'm not sure if you saw, but Fabian Schar had a very similar goal. And one of the yeah. reasons Jake changed what his goal of the season was, which also still ended up being a Fabian Schar goal, by the way, was because it was so similar to this one and the difference in importance between the two. Um, yeah. So probably should have thought of that, considering <laughs> uh, that was just a few days ago. Uh, well, very impressive, all of that, for sure. Um, now I have a question for a, a little bit broader discussion, which is um, there's been some suggestion that uh, if Liverpool had won or end up winning the Champions League this season, that uh, both clubs would be willing to swap trophies so that Manchester City could win the Champions League Liverpool could finally win their Premier League and both both clubs would, would depart happy with it with an exchange like that. Obviously, not a thing that can or ever would happen. But just curious as to what the level of importance of the two competitions are to Manchester City right now. Obviously, you were tra- chasing the quadruple. The, the triple is still on with the FA Cup this weekend, obviously. But from an external perspective, at least, it seems like that Champions League win or bust mentality is no longer there. Well... It's an interesting question. So I'll sort of answer it in reverse in that I don't think the Champions League or bus mentality has ever been as pronounced within the club as it is perceived outside of the Mm. club. So I think that there is a a narrative in football um, or there is a a belief in football that the Champions League is the competition to win. If Tottenham win it, it is. If Liverpool win it, it doesn't. Continue. (laughs) But I think one of the things that feeds into that is there are clubs like Real Madrid, Barcelona, it's, well, at least Barcelona since 2009, um, who they have made, helped make that competition so prestigious because they put such an emphasis on it. And uh, clubs like United, where once they'd won the league over and over and over again, it became the thing that Fergie had to win. And he did it in the most dramatic circumstances in the last minute to complete an unprecedented treble. Um, Pains me to say it, but that is still the crowning glory and the the title achievement of any English football team. Can can not take it away from them. It was incredible and it it stands to this day. It will stand for a long time, I'm sure of it. So that adds to the mystique of it within uh, within England. Um, And then Chelsea, with their takeover, it always seemed 
um, and you know, I could be wrong on this because I'm accusing other people of speaking incorrectly from outside of City. So I might be doing the same about Chelsea. But it always seemed that that was Chelsea's obsession that winning the Champions League would legitimise their status as a big team, and that it was the one that Abramovich really, really wanted. And I think that perception of the Champions League as the prestigious trophy and the competition to win, I think people have put that as a default onto City. So. Mm. It's hard to listen to any radio commentary of City or any review of a City season or any talk about Guardiola where a pundit doesn't say, well, of course, Pep was brought here to win the Champions League and he's not done that, or the Champions League remains elusive and that will frustrate City fans. And whilst there's obviously some truth to it of course when you bring in the best manager in the world who has won the Champions League twice of course you hope that you're going to progress in the Champions League of course we want to win it I'm never going to sit here and say that I don't want to win the Champions League that would be crazy Um, I, I dearly dearly wish that City were in the final in Madrid instead of Tottenham if I didn't then I wouldn't have been able to list that defeat as one of the low points of the season. Mm. It wouldn't have meant so much to me when I thought that we'd won it. Of course I want to win it. But at the moment, and it has always been the case, and I think will always be the case, if at the start of the season you say to me, you can only win one, will it be the Premier League or the Champions League? Every single time I would choose the Premier League. And most City fans, and you know, obviously I can't speak for everybody, but the general view from City fans that we hear, we hear it on the Blue Moon podcast, we see it from amongst the City fan base on Twitter, and you hear it on radio phone-ins, it seems to me that the vast majority of City fans value the Premier League over the Champions League. And I think the reasons for that are, and I can tell you my reasons for it, and I think they're applicable across the board, the Premier League or any national league or any of the top national leagues is your real test of quality because you play over 10 months in a 38 game season. You play every opponent twice and so do all of your peers and all of your opponents play everybody in across the year. You're playing the same conditions. You're playing the same stadiums. You will play the same opponents. Of course, you might drop lucky and you might play Liverpool where Mo Salah is injured. Do you know, and maybe one of your other rivals doesn't, or you might have to play, um, I don't know, you, you might play United where De Gea makes a mistake, but in another game is absolutely top class. But over 38 games, you finish exactly where you deserve. It doesn't matter whether that is first on goal difference by a point or by 19 points. It doesn't matter whether it's bottom. It doesn't matter whether it's 15th. The league... And the points ranking system, where everybody earns the same points per result, sorts you out into where you deserve to finish. Now, that is not to say that the Champions League doesn't. If you win it, you deserve it. It is a fantastic competition, but you don't have to play all of your peers. So we will never know what might have happened had City drawn Ajax in the quarterfinal. Ajax took Madrid and Juventus apart. Fantastic. If City played them, City might get through. Madrid might draw Porto and Madrid get through. And the whole lineup of the competition is different. Mm. So it no more proves, and I know that's a bit of a straw man argument, but it no more proves that the winner is the best team in the competition than winning the FA Cup proves that the FA Cup winner is the best team in the competition. If City win the FA Cup on Saturday, 
well, great, but if they'd have drawn Liverpool in the third round, they might have got beat because they'd have been against a much better opponent than any of the teams that they had to play. Right, which is why the whole concept of you have to beat the best to be the best narrative in Cups has always been flawed. Exactly. And so they are fantastic competitions. I I want to win them all. And I would have loved to have won the quadruple because nobody could ever go on and top it and it would surpass that United's treble. But... And and I want to experience a Champions League final. I want to know what that feels like. I want to be in a stadium for it. I want to see City lift that trophy. But it, my, not my interest, you know, I love City regardless. But at the start of the season, if we're going to talk about quality and importance of a trophy, it is the Premier League first and foremost for me every time. Because you can look back on it at the end of a season and say, we won that, so we were the best team in England. And England, mm. I think, generally accepted as the most competitive league for various reasons. And it's been a little bit different this year where I don't think any relegated team beat any of the top uh, the top four come the end of the season. Um, I think that was the case. But traditionally... Only because of who ended up in the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. in the top four, exactly. but yes. Exactly. Um, it does hint at the disparity in quality between the bottom and top teams but still you know we got beat at home by Crystal Palace and you have to bounce back from all that like and I just I just think it it tests you in a way that proves more come the end of the year but I can't stress enough none of that is to denigrate the achievement of getting to a Champions League final if Liverpool win it I think they can consider the season overall a success 97 points in the league and uh, a Champions League same for Spurs if they win it having that as your first trophy in, in however many years phenomenal it's it's an incredible achievement you both had to beat good teams to get there you've both absolutely gone through the ringer to get there Liverpool's semi-final was I never thought I'd see one more dramatic and then there was one the next night an incredible week <laughs> of football and the Champions League it throws up these games but the reality is you can win it by being the fourth best team in your country so you can be champions of Europe without being champions of your country and that do you see what I'm getting at like but I I can't stress enough that isn't a dig at Tottenham or Liverpool I wish City were in their place I wish it so much but what, what would I have been more disappointed by missing out on the league or that Champions League one the nature of the Champions League one hurt more in the instant but the not winning the league would have lived with me for longer yeah very interesting for sure uh right before we head out uh any thoughts on players that might be outgoing in the summer I think Gunnigan's out of contract there's rumors about Odomendi as well uh who do you think might be exiting to make room for any potential incomings Gundogan has a year left on his um but the oh. yeah the conversation has been more about do, will he renew it or do they cut their losses now and make a bit of money um, there is talk in the last few days that he's open to uh, to negotiation now and that he might be a bit more inclined to listen to, uh, to what City have to say than he was a few weeks ago uh, I would like him to stay I won't lose any sleep if he goes but I would like him to stay um, because he is a, a very very good footballer uh, Otamendi will definitely go I'm sure of that um, there's been links to Juventus I think there's been links uh, am I making that up I think there was a link to Juventus there's certainly been links back to Spain um, and again that has to be the right decision he had a great year uh, last year he stepped up a level that I don't think anybody expected him to but he clearly is now behind Stones and Laporte um, it would hard to not be to not be <laughs> to be exactly. Exactly. Um, and 
it wouldn't be right for him to see out what will be his last big contract, I would think, in the, the twilight years of his career. As welcome as he is at City and as good a squad as that is to be part of, and I think he deserves better than to see it being a rotation player. He's, he is better than that. Um, so he will go. Um, Delph will go. Uh, I'm, I'm certain of that. He's not... I think what he's proven this season, and this is no criticism, but I think he's proven that at left-back last year, he was playing above himself. And so this year, seeing him um, revert to where he doesn't read the game very well from that position. That's um, interesting. You'd need another homegrown then. Uh, yes, I suppose we would. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. Uh, I'm, I'm still pretty certain he will go because mm-hmm. I think I think he will see now that he doesn't have that much of a role to play in the team. Um, it was very impressive that he had the chance to go a couple of years ago when he stayed and became a, a very important part of the 100-point uh, the winning team. Uh, but I just don't see a way for him to stay because he's, you look at some of his mistakes, he's actively harming the team now when he plays. He's never getting into the midfield, and that's his natural position. He's never getting above Fernandinho. He's never getting a good Gundogan if he stays. He's clearly never getting um, put in a central forward position above Silver, Silver or De Bruyne or Sterling. It's just not happening. Um, so I think he has to go. Um did you mention another one? Did you ask me about somebody else? No, it was going to get who I got wrong on. And then Odomendi and Delph are the ones you brought up. Yeah, I think they're the obvious ones. And anybody else, I guess there's players who might be open to, um, you know, City might listen yeah, to Yeah, but what? those are the ones that are kind of considered surplus at this point. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Um, well, uh, we have a minute left. So which trophies are you winning next season? <laughs> uh, hopefully all of them um, I would I think we will defend the league again um, and I th- quite impressive statistically unlikely but if there was any team that could yeah the reason I think that is that this year uh, we made no obvious improvements with the team I say that knowing that we spent £60 million on Mares, but anybody who watched Mares for the majority of the season would be hard-pushed to say that he made a, a material improvement to the team. So, of course, in transfer and money spent, of course, we, we did go out and bolster the squad, but the team was not significantly better because of Mares's presence in it. So we largely won the league and maintained performance across two seasons with the same squad as last season. We won't do that this year. We will go out and spend money. Um we have seen what a team spending money can do uh, to improve, like Liverpool did. So they'll be very wary of having um, another very capable challenger next season. I'm sure Liverpool will maintain their standard. Uh, well, sorry, I'm sure Liverpool will maintain the challenge again. But oh, is it possible for two teams to maintain such high standards across two seasons? Again, and not... statistically, the answer is no. But yeah, exactly. It's... And I, I with Pep's ridiculous trophy winning experience I would back his team to be the one uh, most likely to to maintain that standard so yeah um, I think we will win the Premier League again but I, you know it wouldn't be an enormous shock if we lost out to Liverpool next time mm-hmm. uh, and then the League Cup I always assume we'll win it until told otherwise because it's been out you know four, four out of six um, and we start in the third round you know it's a very good chance of winning that um, I can't yet predict that we'll win the Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> you won't predict that you can do it until you've done it. I suppose that exactly. is fair. All right, uh, that will do it for us today. Tell the folks where they can find you over the summer. Yeah, so uh, I'm on Twitter at Richard the Burns. Um, 
I'm on the Blue Moon podcast, uh, which will soon end for the season, but it is a weekly dedicated Manchester City podcast. Um, on Tuesday evening, we are recording our end of season live show, which we always do with an audience. Uh, it's always really, really good fun. If by any chance any of the listeners to this are based in Manchester and want to get down to Idle Hands Cafe on Tuesday, um, that'd be great. It's free entrance um, ways to get in our, on our Twitter account, which is at Blue Moon Podcast, but that will be available to download afterwards as well. All right, well, thanks so much for taking the time today, Richard. Congratulations on winning the title and best of luck next season. Thank you very much. Um, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me all season, Kev. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 